Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Final game of the year, and with a one-run lead, the Twins are going to change pitchers and catchers. How about this? Joe in tears. The love of the game of baseball. I don't know what he or the Twins could do to top this two, three, four years down the road. This has just been magical. Moncada the batter, Belial the pitcher. Been a long time since I've said since I've said this. Mauer is the catcher, and it's just one pitch. What a moment! Joe Mauer will make an exit. Coming off the field for what might be the last hurrah. Honest question for you guys. Would Ozzie Guillen, if he were still the White Sox manager, have gotten tossed in a one-run game arguing, hey, what are you guys doing? Why are you bringing, Why are you doing a ceremonial thing here <laughs> in the ninth inning? Let my, let my batter dig in. Or would he have allowed the moment to stand? He would have allowed it. I think so. He would have allowed <laughs> it. I told Judd last hour, though, Phil, the only thing that would have made that moment more perfect is if they were playing the Tigers. And Gardy was and out Gardy, there. And Gardy was out there. That would have been really, really, really cool. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, they could have done it against the Tigers at some point, right? They yeah. could have done it a few days ago. Yeah, but this was the last catcher. game. It was perfect. It was. This was absolutely perfect. Yeah, it was great. It was. You know what? I got to thinking about this. Uh, just taking in the atmosphere at Target Field from the the fan areas with a beer in hand yesterday. It. I tweeted this and have gotten a lot of interaction. It still bothers me. And I even looked around the stadium at times and thought, there's a lot of frauds here that <laughs> ripped on Joe throughout the last 15 years for all the things that either he wasn't in their minds or all the things that made him not the perfect player rather than appreciating him for the things that made him one of the great twins of all time. And oh, for a 10 year stretch, home runs and always oh, making too much money. Although, uh, correct. Yeah. Although, as I said, in his post game presser, I thought to myself, Joe, where has this been? He opened the door up enough. If he had opened the door up enough for us to see that that side of him that he showed on Sunday, I think the perception of him in this town is much different. But there's a lot of quiet superstars, okay? I mean, you know, so Adam Thielen is a fairly quiet guy, but because he thumps his chest after a touchdown, oh, he must care more and, and he shows more passion. I mean, I'm just going through some of my 
replies on these threads from yesterday. And uh, and someone chimed in with, it's hard to appreciate Joe Maurer when you when you watch the Kirby Puckett era or you watch the naming other more fiery players. Mm-hmm. But if you start to do comparisons and numbers, okay, he's Joe Maurer has put up the same batting average, on base, slugging, numbers that uh, even home run, similar home run totals to guys like Paul Molitor and Rod Carew. And if he would have shown more fire, we would have we would have liked him more. Like I don't even really... think it's fire though. Personality. I think okay, that's well, what, the same that's thing. what people wanted. But I'm just saying that's why. If if he had the Joe Maurer that we saw on Sunday was absolutely perfect. And he got at his post game presser and told stories about why he caught and what that meant to him. And it was absolutely perfect. But you're putting it on Joe. I'm putting, I'm it, putting it on the fans. I'm putting it I'm putting I'm saying that there is blame to be shared. But the thing the thing to keep in mind and we talked about this in the first hour of the show. The thing to keep in mind that's very important is this. The man is a Hall of Fame catcher. Yes. Okay, but does he get in? I mean, that's another... I think he does, yes. The more I think about this, the more I think he gets in because... I think he gets in, but it's going to take a little while. Sure. Unfortunately, it's going to take a little while. I think the national perception of Joe, though, is going to be much more favorable because if you think about the knocks about him in this market, most of them won't carry nationally. Mm -hmm. 463 became a punchline, but who cares? It's not going to be considered. Um, the fact that the fact that if you go crunch those 10 years as a catcher, it's not good. It's historically good. No American League catcher has won a batting title. He's won three. Correct. Multiple gold gloves, I believe three. Yeah, he is among active players right now. He has this, and this is for all the, oh, Maurer's not classic Maurer, not clutch, right? Active players right now, he has the second highest batting average with runners in scoring position behind Joey Votto. So, That's it. Yeah, and and another thing that it's not his fault that there weren't enough runners in scoring position whenever he came up. Right, and okay, he didn't he didn't hit a lot of home runs in situations with runners in scoring position. But again, yeah, he's not the perfect player. He's not, but he's hall of very good at at the very least. And Torrey Hunter was another hall of very good player. Well, we didn't we could we could sit here and make a list of Torrey Hunter's deficiencies. Uh, coming up short on a dive in a key playoff game against the Oakland A's and allowing the A's to score an inside-the-park home run, right? did that a couple times, yeah. Torrey Hunter not laying off outside sliders with two strikes in key situations. But we don't focus on that stuff with Torrey Hunter because he's more likable as a personality. If Joe, that's, that's a fact. If Joe had played first base for his entire career and lacked power, I think the national media and the people that vote would use that against him. But as a catcher, it's going to be a non-factor. No, but lo- but locals hold it against him. Oh, of course they will. In fact, well, in fact, I'll go so far as to say that his MVP season, yep. his MVP season mm-hmm. is looked at by a lot of fans and people with microphones in this town as an indictment rather than a credit. Let's say we looked at so Rich Gannon's a little apples to oranges. Rich Gannon's a guest on this show. Okay, Rich Gannon had a very meh NFL career mm-hmm. until later on, so it's kind of flip flopped. And then he wins an MVP award with the Oakland Raiders. And we don't think, when we when we reflect on Rich Gannon, we don't think, oh man, he could have done, man, if only he would have done that for these other 10 years, maybe he'd be this. No, we think, no, Rich Gannon won an MVP award and it solidified his career. With Joe Maurer, we think he won an MVP award, but man, he should have done that for 10, he should have hit that many home runs every year. He should have done this, he should have hit 365 every year. His MVP season is more of an indictment in the eyes of a lot of people than a credit. That's amazing to me. I think the, I think the perception of Joe and and I'm very curious now because this town loves to change its tune about things. I'm very curious if the events of Sunday is going to change the lasting memory of the people that bashed him too. Hopefully, because it was perfect. 
His girls at first base. He was crying. He was a human. Yeah, but 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 I, I really I really think that the lack of emotion and emoting led to the rest of the. Well, he also doesn't do this, and he's paid too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, the contract thing was always one of the stupidest things ever. I believe in 2009, but before he signed the new contract, I looked this up last night. I want to say he made $8 million that year. Yeah. So he was was underpaid for a long period of time. Sure. I think it was the Mowers not passionate enough that then led us to pick all all the other scabs. And I do think that yesterday has a fighting chance to change a perception because the guy that we saw yesterday, we had rarely, if ever, seen. And from the twins on down, it was perfectly done. Yeah. It's also worth noting, too, he signed that contract as a 320 hitting MVP candidate. Let's even take that off the board. Let's just let's say that the MVP season was just an anomaly anyway. So he's a 320 hitting 400 on base percentage. He was the best catcher, catcher. In, in Major League Baseball. Yes. That was worth 20 to 25 million dollars minimum market value at the time he signed that deal. Mm-hmm. If you would have put Joe Maurer on the open market after that MVP season and said, you don't know what's going to happen for the next 10 years, but every team gets a chance to bid on him. That's the minimum the minimum price he would have gone for if it was a blind bid. You don't think the Red Sox would have offered $180 million or $200 million with some of these contracts that are being doled out? So, yeah. I, got a, I got a tweet from Vince uh, It says, no playoff wins will be the knock nationally. I... It might be a knock, but will it be enough of a knock to keep him out of the Hall of Fame? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Yeah, and that's and that's tough because so. not at that position. Even though it's not really, it's not his fault that they didn't have the pitching to match up against the Yankees or that they didn't get to the playoffs over the course of the, like the last eight years of his career. Basically. It's not his fault that Phil Cuzzy was blind. That too, along and, the third baseline. Yeah. How okay? could how could Phil not be the first base ump on Sunday? <laughs> How do you not? That would have been so much fun. First base ump or third base ump? Well, I don't care, but he should have been Actually, on that field. Phil Cuzzy has the third base ump, making a very clear signal on that double by Maurer. No, I this I can yeah. even tell <laughs> yeah. this is a fair ball. It's in ball. the gap. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 651-646-8255. <laughs> Pete in Minneapolis, you're on Mackie and Judd. Hey, Pete. Yeah, I agree with a lot of things you guys have said. I was there yesterday, too, and they closed it. You know, his last hit was a double, and he has to slide in to beat it. But, you know, and I know. I hear this Maurer bashing all along, you know. I've heard it for so many years, and I'm like, where were you guys in 2009? Everybody in this town, I mean everybody, said there's no way they can let him go. They've got to keep him. They're going into Target Field. He's a hometown boy, blah, 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 blah. So they did what everybody told him to do, and now, you know, these uh, Monday morning quarterbacks are all coming out later saying they shouldn't have paid him that much. He's overpaid. Well, you know, where were you in 2009? You know, the ultimate hypocrisy, if you ask me. But uh, I don't know if he's going to the Hall of Fame or not. I don't look at the numbers enough to actually make a good uh, judgment on that one way or another. But, you know, watching him watching him take at-bats, you know, over these last how many ever years he played for the Twins was, was one of my greatest baseball pleasures, and I'm a huge baseball fan. Just because he, just the way he went about that, to taking those at bats. I remember when he was in Yankee Stadium last year, and Chapman was throwing 100 miles an hour right underneath his chin, and all he would do would be lean back just a little bit, just enough to let it go, and just so calm. I'm like, how does he do that? You know. But, yeah, it's, yeah I'm going to miss Joe. Yeah, thanks. That's a good call by Pete. Yeah, I don't know. I it was an amazing. We can talk with Wetmore here. He's going to join us next segment because he. Yeah, I know you guys were both uh, watching from the press box area, 
And I just had this overwhelming feeling of this is amazing. This is the day that he deserves as a great Twins player. But, man, there's a lot of frauds in this stadium right now. There's a lot of people who are clapping and acting like they've been cheering for him for 15 years. And they made the bilateral leg weakness jokes. And they made the home run jokes. And they piled on him in situations where he didn't deserve it. But such is life as a sports fan, I guess. I just thought that the whole thing was so well done and so much fun. And and I went into the day thinking that, you know, it'd be nice if we knew, right? And it'd be nice if they declared it Joe Mauer Day. Yeah. And I left thinking I was absolutely wrong. Isn't it funny that there's, it's still being passed that. off like, oh, we're not sure yet. I mean, all right. Well, yeah. <laughs> Good luck coming yeah. back after that. November 15th. You can't come back now. Two more years. <laughs> two more years. Right. Two, two he years totally, no He one. totally pulls a Brad Favre. You know, guys, I, I think I can still play. Yeah. <laughs> Could I still play catcher? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and for the dude who chimed in with the, uh, and there's probably probably more than one of these, he should have played in football. Like, I, I think you look at his bank oh. account, and that's pretty much all you need to look at. I think he made the right decision. Just in case there's any debate over that from 2001. Uh, We'll get Wetmore in here. We also have the football hour coming up in the 5 o'clock. Mackie and Judd with Man. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Quick check on your traffic. Uh, Again, things moving around pretty smoothly right now. No major crashes. Uh, We do have a uh, traffic incident reported in Woodbury. That's uh, near Carver Avenue on uh, 94, uh, excuse me, 494 eastbound. Uh, just a little traffic incident that might be slowing things down. But otherwise, things moving uh, rather uh, smoothly, gentlemen. It's just been, like I told you, like an emotional roller coaster. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. And um, like I said, this, I want to make sure I have some time just to take a deep breath and uh, really be behind that decision. But... Um, you know, like I said, I, I couldn't have asked for a better last day of the 2018 season. And um, I'm looking forward to just taking a breath and spending some time with my girls and, um, you know, my family. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. But like I said, with emotions running right now, I, I, I don't want to stay either way. All right, Wetmore's in here. There's no way you can come back. <laughs> yeah, right? There's no way you can come back. You didn't have to say either way. It was said for you yesterday. I think we all kind of know which way this is headed. Great party. Awesome celebration. One of the most memorable days. I told Judd yesterday. One of the most memorable days at Target Field in its history. It's a short history, but still in its history. Yeah. You don't get to come back after that. You can't say, yeah, maybe two more years. You know what? No, dude. That's it. Judd, were you at, this, this person shall go nameless, but were you at like a handful of years ago, a going away party for someone that was held at a local establishment in St. Paul where they raised money to move to a different state and had a live band and it was like goodbye to this person and wow, this is a great send-off. Came back six weeks later. After like taking everyone's donation money and going, that's what that's what no, it would I feel like. That, but that would be very much I'll like you, I'll this. tell you who it is later. I told Judd, <laughs> if you ever want someone to retire, somebody you work with and you're just like, uh, I don't know. This is the way to do it. You get him a cake. You give him a big send off. You say, "This has been so great, aren't you?" This is catcher's awesome. gear. Yeah, I have said, a Joe Mauer yeah. day at Target Field, and that's that's your way to say thanks. Thanks for the memories. I said this is a perfect scenario where where something very special and emotional meets sort of a, a cynical point point of view from this end. Yesterday was perfect. Like everything about it. 
Yeah. I well when he came out of the dugout in catcher's gear, I didn't cry, but I welled up. It's like, oh my goodness, this is great. And yet I know full well that that was a slap on the back and uh you're basically done here. Like if you come back, we're going to be not happy about it. <laughs> so it's this it's this cynical it's this cynical well, I, I think the on field staff wants him back. But I believe the people that run this franchise baseball ops department probably would like to mm. move on in some ways. But anyway, my point being is there is room to be like, that was a fantastic sports moment that you're not going to forget. Combined right. with, I think you're done. That's right. Hey, I thought about it this way yesterday, Phil, that if you're on the fence at all, let's say it's 50-50 coming into the weekend. Doesn't this make it pretty hard for Joe? From Joel's perspective, forget about the Twins for a second, but from Joel's perspective... As you start to get momentum on the side of, yeah, my body feels okay, and I still got this drive to win, and yeah, ma- yeah, maybe two more years with the Twins. Doesn't this pull hard against that line of thinking, pull you really hard in the other direction as you start to build momentum on the side of the fence that says, yeah, yeah there's a little more in the tank. Well, yeah, but are you ever going to get a goodbye like that again? I don't think so. The only thing, if I'm Joe Maurer, and it's a big thing, the only thing that I would be jonesing to accomplish is win a championship, right? Yep. So let's say you've still it's it's early October and the fall air is crisp, and you've got dramatic baseball games on here uh, on a daily basis, starting out when you can find most of them cheap plug on fifteen hundred ESPN, right? You're home for the baseball playoffs. <laughs> Just keep watching these postseason games because you'll get a better idea at the end of October how far away the Twins are from winning a World Series, especially on the pitching front still. And they only have about two position players, you would say, are a lock to yeah. be back, maybe even like one. Yeah. Um, and, and he and he hasn't played in a few weeks because he's been injured, Eddie Rosario. But I just, like, if, if the only thing on your checklist is win a World Series, I don't look at this roster if I'm Joe and say, man, if I just come back, we're right on the cusp of winning. I think they're going to be competitive and they might even make the playoffs next place. year. Yeah. But like, you, you need about three Josh haters before you can you know, have a chance. To, Manny snake in the weeds yeah. coming in here. <laughs> yeah. I, look, so I, I hear what you're saying and, and no, the pieces aren't all in place, but I do look at this as a bit of a blank slate that if I'm Joe Maurer, <laughs> I might go to them and say, hey, uh, Thad, Derek, listen, it's a great. Thank you. Thanks so much for the send off. I'm thinking two more years, but I want to see what your vision is. I could, but I could live with one. Yeah, no. but, <laughs> whatever it is. Like, <laughs> hey, you can take all the options you want. That's fine. Teams love that these days. But I, I could see this is my hot take of the winter, and I'm sticking by it all winter. You guys might roast me for it. I think the Twins are a playoff team next year. I think that the Twins have a number of pieces internally that are encouraging. I certainly have got the pieces that are discouraging. Hold on. Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. Wetmore, we may have to search your vehicle, not just pull you over. Listen, I think... he's got pot for sure. There's weed in that car, right below the spare tire. I'm going to need an attorney. I'm not saying another word. I'd like my attorney present. I will remind you, gentlemen, that you also played that hot take police song for me on May 1st when I came into your studio and told you that the Twins weren't going to the playoffs. 
And you said... That's right. And, we, and Wetmore and I were in Lord yeah, Lockstep on that, and Judd disagreed. I hate this, that Phil makes that joke, and half the people get it, and half the people are like, oh, good for Phil. He was right. Yep, yep. He was right. Yeah. We're just going to let, let it go from now Here's on. Here's my Derek. point. It, as my attorney would tell you, yep. if they were present right now, that a lot of things would have to go right for that to happen, but it's absolutely within the realm of possibility. Yeah. Also, there's only there's not that many viable teams in the American League. So, like, if the A's just go back to being mediocre, all of a sudden now yeah. there's an extra wild card spot. I don't know. I mean, I still look at Cleveland as the team to beat in the Central. That wild card race is going to be stuffy next year too. It's tough. The American League right now is the haves and the have-nots. The Twins, despite battling valiantly for the last month of the season, are the have-nots. Mm-hmm. It's very clear. But they are the rare have-not that is going to have a basically blank template and tons, tons of spending capital if they want to go out in free agency and make this team better. Um, I I think that that could play into the math if you're Joe Maurer. You might say, hey, what— if if I'm back and I'm on a cheap one or two year deal or whatever, where's my play? What does this look like? Am I a platoon guy, first base? Who else are you going to get? Because I think I'm a hundred percent with you, Phil. That if there's one thing left for Joe Maurer to accomplish after that beautiful send off, that should be goodbye. If that's not goodbye, it will be because he wants to win a World Series and speculation he wants to win it in Minnesota. Which, that that which would be is, the only thing pulling him back in my which mind. is really sweet and nice. But I think that uh, 2018 was is going to be the year of the unspoken choice with Joe. And the yes. choice was, do you want to go out like you did on Sunday, which is awesome, or do you want to come to us and tell us, you know what, the Yankees could really use me, and they're good, and they'll trade for me, so send a, so you, you get a crappy southpaw relief pitcher for, for me, and I get my chance. I think if you're going to buy the ring completely. You're saying that he would have he would yes, have gone to yes. New York a month yes, ago. Yes, yeah. exactly right. I don't think he yeah. gets. I don't think he gets the choice of I want to come back and chase a, a ring here. I think that's almost one step too much. Yeah. So I think 2018 for Joe, in typical Joe fashion, was was the unspoken choice of what do you want? Because you they gave here? him they gave him a great setup. Yeah. Let's take one more call on this yeah. subject, Joe Maurer and. The, the the great send off and the reaction yesterday, and also it's it's a bit of a complicated relationship between Joe and fans, which I think I think at times the criticism has been warranted, especially the first base portion of his career. But the criticism when he was a catcher was always so over the top and absurd. But six five one six four six eight two five five Jerry and Egan, you're on the show. Jerry, go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah I'd like to bring up a couple of points. I I think I believe Ken Herbeck both began and ended his career at Major Strike. I think he started in 81 when they had the two different seasons. And if you know, I think that's the draft for Joe Maurer. The Twins were really debating whether to take that Mark Pryor. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe you guys can say what he actually did, but I think that's the one they were really heavily debating. Actually, you know what, Jerry? Thanks for the call. The Mark Pryor thing... Obviously, Joe Maurer had the better career, and like only one of them is being considered for Hall of Fame. But you could make a case that with how good the Twins were between 2002 and 2006, that if they had Mark Pryor and yeah. Johan Santana, <laughs> that they actually would have had a better chance yeah. to win a World Series in 
that short time span that Mark Pryor was relevant. If they would have had Mark Pryor for I'm 15 games a year, they might have been a better club for a couple like, of those Bill Mackey, I love no, Joe, no, but it was a bad draft choice. No, no, Get the Mark hot take Pryor. police back on the horn, Phil. In, Call yourself. In 2003, Mark Pryor was one of the best pitchers in baseball. My attorney will be happy to represent you when they arrive on my behalf in would, about 20 would, minutes. Would you have won the World Series oh. in one of those two years that Mark Pryor was healthy? And think about, and think about <laughs> this. Think about this. Let's go a step further. Man, uh, man, Anything yes. you say yes. can and will. Man, oh, yeah. Shut I'm, their I'm mics off. It's just you and me right now. <laughs> Think about this. The Twins take Mark Pryor, number one overall. The Cubs take Joe uh, take Joe Maurer, number two, right? Mm-hmm. Joe Maurer doesn't win a World Series with the Cubs. Signs with the Twins as soon as he's eligible for free agency. Wow. Yeah, wow. So you might, And they just get the back half of his career. Yeah, that first yeah. base half. <laughs> Does Pryor's <laughs> arm still, still come off or no? <laughs> Does Pryor's arm then... Because it didn't... Oh, no. The Dusty twi- abuse him? The, yeah. Ron Gardner never would have allowed him to go past 93 pitches and that six That was Dusty, thirds. right? Dusty Baker was like, oh, October, you've already thrown 290 innings or whatever it is. Mark Pryor would not have been a valid stand-in for Brad Radke, so I don't know that he would have had a place in this town. Uh, can you stick for one more segment? Yeah, yeah, let's right, do it. Wetmore here. We're uh, maybe wrapping up the uh, the end of Joe Maurer's 15-year career, Mackie and Judd. And in the 5 o'clock hour, Collar, Cronin, Royce, the football hour coming up. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Now, let, let me ask you guys this. And Wetmore's going to have a different answer because he's the youngest of the bunch here. Not to be an ageist, but <laughs> how many Twins I'll players... Right ahead. I won't sue you. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm not going to HR, but I won't sue you. Good. How many Twins players can you definitively say are ahead of Joe Maurer in terms of historical clout? Uh, well, one jumps to mind because he won Puckett. two World Series. Kirby Puckett has to be. Yeah. It depends on your view of guys like Rod Carew, Tony Oliva for different reasons, Harmon Killebrew. That's where the list stops for me. My top, my top three twins would be Puck, Killer, who I didn't see play, Crew, and after that, Oliva. I don't know that. Like, Oliva, I, I might say very, that, but I don't know that. Aren't Oliva and Maurer very similar though? And they probably are batting title guys, young prodigies, hurt. And then by the time you know, by the time they were thirty, thirty one years old, you, you were just left wanting more of so, what they gave you in their twenties because of injuries. I, yeah. I didn't see any of these guys play, but I know that. I, I think of Maurer more as a Rod Carew. Get on base, bat to ball skills, Apple. phenomenal. Apple field. Yes, sir. Tony Oliva is this wonderful hitter whose career was cut short by injuries. In fact, it would have been cut even shorter if not for the advent of the DH in the American League. That, to me, mirrors Maurer's career in a, in a similar way, that he had to move out from behind the plate, which was a lot of his value. I said this to you guys in April uh, when Maurer's racking up his 2,000th hit that if that was just it, if Maurer had the concussion in 2013 against the Mets, took the foul tip off the mask, and that was the end of his career, sorry, see ya, tough luck, Joe Maurer's a Hall of Famer. Now, five years of playing first base, said he's like a league average hitter, which at first base looks pretty bad. Joe, Joe Maurer, for the last five years, he's had some tough years, but overall he's been like a good player. Not a not a fantastic player, not a franchise, not a generational player, but 
that five years is definitely going to weigh on his candidacy because now you're comparing him up against other first basemen who are awesome in this generation. I, I think that the Oliva comparison is interesting. Carew is more the type of player he's been. But my point is just that that's the company this guy keeps. That That is, he's going to have the number seven up in the limestone out in left field between the two bar decks soon. He's going to get a gate and a statue as well. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. He's and getting the hat trick. That's the kind of player that he is and has been. And I'll say this too, and I, I said this to Judd last hour, the first base thing, he got robbed out of the Gold Glove last year. Yes, agreed. he should have been the he should have been the Gold Glove. He wasn't even a finalist in the and first he baseman won last year. And if you add that, you win a Gold Glove at first base. Had a good offensive season last year. I mean, yeah, yeah, multiple, that even, multiple that only, position Gold Gloves and yeah. then three batting titles at catcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, now here's what's ridiculous though. Like we all know he was the best fielding first baseman in the league, but because a bunch of idiots voted incorrectly and gave it to Eric Hosmer, he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame. Like if that's the thing that right. prevents him from getting in, I mean, come on. Do you guys think though, if if the ballots were were still just with the old school guard, I, I would say that that the time at first base hurts him. But with the way that baseball is perceived now and seen now, and I think you get a lot more people that actually go with with what happened as opposed to perception. Don't you think the new guard that votes is going to say ten years? I think it was. I think he hit three twenty three as a catcher. Yeah, they're going to say this guy flat out. Forget the first base time. This guy flat out is a Hall of Fame catcher. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, I could th- be. I think newer thinking in in voting and just among baseball media, it. It lessens the uh, importance of RBIs and runs scored because those a lot of those they're a product of chance where you're at in the lineup. Uh, obviously, if you hit more home runs, you're going to drive in more runs. But if but if if you look at run production and what matters most in terms of generating runs, the ability to get on base is the most important aspect in baseball. The ability to set the table and get on base, and a lot of times those are unheralded. If you don't. If you're not betting leadoff and stealing bases and putting up gaudy fantasy counting numbers like Ricky Henderson did, yeah. sometimes the ability to set the table uh, is underappreciated. And that's the story of Joe Maurer's 15 years. Yeah, underappreciated is a great word for it. I'm curious to know your guys' thoughts because I heard you kind of shadow boxing on the Maurer haters and all that kind of stuff. That's all that exists on Twitter until really this season. I think there have been a lot of people who are speaking up and saying, no, I appreciate Joe Maurer, right? I hate that it's uh, it's such a negative connotation anytime his name is brought up. But general, I'm talking zoom out, look at every single Twins fan in the world, and you're polling them. What do you think the percentage is of, they're not really any lukewarm Joe Maurer people. He's sort of the lightning rod of the franchise. You're either like, wow, respect, or boo, you made too much money. Mm-hmm. What do you think the percentage is, and I'll ask all three of you, of people who actually appreciate and and really cheered for Joe Maurer through the ups and downs. So if What's it's that just percent? if we if it's just a black and white pie chart. Yes or no. I would say it's probably 25 to 30% minimum who think that he was an overpaid fraud and bad leader because he didn't, you know, shout at teammates. I think it's a pretty high I think and I think 25 to 30% is a pretty high but percentage. But those and and the problem is though that, that those folks are sheep. They they were told that, sure. and they grew to believe it, and they and they say it the loudest. Yes, they're, they're the ones who talk the loudest, and I think that's why 
it seems like there were so many people yes, that felt that way about Joe because those are the those were the ones that always said it the loudest. And, yeah. Like people people that looked at Joe the way like the four of us do, we we were we were more the silent ones because it was just it was just common knowledge that yeah, yeah. this guy is really like, good. Mike Trout's a good player. Okay, I get tired of saying that day after day. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm not saying Joe Mauer's Mike Trout, but my point is just that I've rethought that over the last couple of months that man, I used to think this guy was just hated, vilified, because yep. I spent too much time on Twitter. Let's be honest. I think we probably all spent too much time on Twitter, but I, I just hear too much from Twins fans uh, that that despise him for that reason. And anytime I'd write anything, like I wrote a what I thought was pretty non-controversial column in April at Joe Maurer, even before 2000 hits, had earned his place among that sort of Twins Mount Rushmore. He's, he's already one of the Twins greats. And now 2,000 hits is nice, and chasing Harmon Killebrew in this on base, that's nice, that's all great, feathers in his cap, but he didn't need that to be in that group. And you hear just the negativity on, on Twitter. So anyways, I was rethinking this the other day, and the more I think about it, the, the friends and well, baseball followers, family, whatever, that I have that, that aren't necessarily on Twitter and aren't necessarily jumping in with hot sports takes, mm-hmm. it's more like... 80 plus percent that really truly like Joe Maurer and cheer mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. A- and to Manny's point, the people you hear from so much more often are that. But I think I've been heartened by re- rethinking that split is a lot closer to truly appreciating Joe Maurer for what he gave rather than hating on him for what he was not. And Derek, I, I told Phil that the guy that we saw talk yesterday, yeah. if he had shown that, and, and I think the most important thing is this, and and it's it's stuff that in retrospect now is is not huge but you know what in this town we pile on a lot sure and, and if the twins had come out in 13 or 14 what what every year the bilateral leg weakness explanation was and joe had said back off back the bleep off it's a terrible explanation it's not what's wrong i got bad knees okay so just back down i think a lot of the people that you're talking about that didn't like him would have been like oh oh, oh i'm sorry joe sure but instead, but we are, but the narrative of Joe was driven by some very powerful people in this town, and Joe didn't defend himself, and so you had that faction of people who are all like, yeah, let's pick on Joe. And if Joe had come out and said, no, no, that's an awful explanation. It's not what's wrong. What's right. wrong is I got bad knees, yeah. okay? Yeah, and, since, and what's funny is, I think ultimately, you're in a... As an athlete, you shouldn't care what people think. Really, you should just go and do do your thing and live your life. And almost to a fault, he did not care what people thought. Yeah, he did not care that he was getting filleted for multiple years, and that this mm-hmm. was the first year that he said anything to that end. That he did care, and it's almost like, wow, it got to this point before I, I finally just asked him in spring training. Somebody asked him about the negativity or something, and I said. Uh, he a- he answered a question. He said, yeah, you know, people are going to have their opinions and they're going to think what they want. I said, Joe, does that bug you? And he's like surprised by the question. He said, yeah, a little bit, you know, because I, I know the work I do behind the scenes and, and all that stuff's true. The prep that it takes to just get his body ready for a game. And he's not lying about that. Uh, but people I, people hear that and they think, well, why does it take him longer to get ready for a game than other old athletes? Why Does Albert Pujols need to take forever to get ready sure. for a game? And the answer is probably yes. Yeah, exactly. sure. yeah. I, I, I don't know the answer. My, my point is just that like he's been, uh, bulletproof's the wrong word, but that he's been almost immune to criticism, not knowing that he's been this person who's just constantly sure. poked fun at. 
because uh, he's an easy target. But um, it was interesting to see that human side the other day with and Judd. You saw, I mean, just kind of it was great. He broke down it. at least three different times mm-hmm. throughout the day, and I thought it was fantastic. That's why I think it's gonna honestly. If there's any doubt in your mind as a Twins fan whether he's coming back or not. Sunday should have answered that. And if you're Joe Maurer and there's still doubt in your mind, I think you got to consider long and hard that you're not getting a goodbye like that again. I mean, Derek Jeter got the tour, the goodbye in every city. But for Joe Maurer, considering how much he does not want that spotlight, Sunday was perfect in every single way possible. Yeah. Uh, what can people find right now on the website and on the Touch 'Em All feed? We got a Touch 'Em All podcast with Judd and I just reacting our sort of cynical take, but how wonderful a sports day it was. Uh, one of the highlights at Target Field for sure. And then I got a column on why this has to be goodbye for Joe Maurer. That's on the website right now, Judd. I know you got a couple of pieces up there too. Cool. All right. Outstanding. Good stuff, Derek. Thanks, They're really guys. good. All right. We, Bye, yeah. Derek. So good. <laughs> They're like awesome reads. So I'm not even going to tease them. Baseball. <laughs> That'd be cool, man. I'd like to, to see that again. You can find Matthew Collar on 1500ESPN.com, the Purple Podcast, and also now Saturday Sports Talk. Yes, you 10 guys, to uh, noon with uh, with me. Lots of fun, Matthew. Lots of fun. So much fun. I don't need to defend my work. <laughs> Back off, everybody. <laughs> Respect me. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. Quick check on your traffic brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. Uh, We just have one traffic incident to bring you right now. Uh, 35E northbound near Little Canada uh, near Highway 36. That's adding a couple of minutes to your commute if you're uh, headed northbound on 35E. On the uh, east side of the metro there. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium on October 24th. Purchase tickets at BBB.org slash Minnesota. All right. Thank you, Manny, Mackie, and Judd. The football hour coming up here in about 10 minutes or so. But uh, Mike Logan, the president of Twin Cities in Motion, clearly walked into the wrong one. You were looking for marathoners, and you walked into this room. I don't know what you're you're thinking here. (laughs) Uh, Is there an elliptical marathon? Because (laughs) let me introduce you to Judd Zolgan. Can I just walk just like from here to there and and be done and get some type of ribbon or something? No no time limit for you, Judd. We'll just let you go as long as you need to. I just like to go like from from here to the door, perhaps a few steps and get something, and and then a free beer, of course. I think we have some spare medals from the 80s we could probably scrap. (laughs) Oh, I'd love to one from the eight. Oh, that was was my heyday. We got to dive in. It's it's Marathon Week, and there's all kinds of events. uh, Marathon Weekend coming up here. But what is the just for fun? If if we entered one of us into a marathon with some training, what is the the max time limit? Is it six, seven hours? So it's supposed to be six hours from the time you cross the mat at the start line, and then really at that point, it's uh, the permits that dictate how long the course can be open. So So you could be you could pour six months of training or whatever three months, six months of training. And you could be five minutes behind the back end pace and on mile 20, and they'll scoop you up. Is that how it works? We suggest that you jump on the bus at that <laughs> point. <laughs> scoop you up? Hey, Ted didn't make it. It's not like there's a big plow or anything. But. I mean, you could, I suppose, in theory, just like run around the block a few times at home to finish out the last few miles. But Somebody call Mindoc. We got another one. <laughs> we do let people come across still at the later hour, and I'll be there to greet them even if we're taking down the finish line. Okay. It's what, very good. It's very good. What's the all-time worst time? 
Oh man, it would be mine. I mean, I'm still running, trying to get to the end. Uh, I, I honestly, I don't know the answer to that question. I know what the best time is. <laughs> of course, you do. At two hours, eight minutes, and fifty-one seconds. That's wow. fast, by the way. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, but man, yeah. I mean, there might still be people out on the course from a couple of years ago, for all I know. <laughs> so, all right, let's let's discuss coming up this weekend. It's uh, it's marathon week. Where should we start here for people who are gearing up? I know I've I've enjoyed in the past just going down and watching some of the festivities and then maybe hop on the treadmill later because I feel guilty. But <laughs> what are some things, and you're going to join us throughout the week here too, but things to look ahead. This is one of the most fun weekends for, for runners in the Twin Cities. Yeah, so this is known as the most beautiful urban marathon in America for good reason, right? The fall colors are out in full right now, and the time of year is right. The temperature's right. looks to be in the low 50s, high 40s for runners. That's perfect. Uh, but we'll have over 300,000 spectators on the course, to your point, and over 30,000 runners between the TC 10-mile and the marathon fields on Sunday. Awesome, awesome. So if a guy like me who is not trained right now and think, thinks to himself, this would be fun to be involved, but I'm too fat to run, are, are there things that, that I can do to still get involved as far as volunteers go? Absolutely. Go to tcmevents.org backslash volunteers. We still have a lot of need, both on Saturday and Sunday. Um, hot dogs, get your hot dogs that's here. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, whether it's uh, people out on their front lawns handing out you know water or mimosas, depending on what they're doing, um, or if it's you know more structured through us, uh, you really helping out the the field is is an important thing and it's maybe the most important thing we do just making sure people are safe yeah what about the app tell the audience about the app too right so if you go to your local app store whatever platform you use just type in twin cities in motion and you'll be able to download our app the great thing about this app is there's a spectator guide tells you everything you might want to know about the twin cities marathon medtronic twin cities marathon as well as there's a tracking uh, apparatus for you to follow up to 20 runners of your choice so you can see you know how well or how poorly your friends and family might be doing cool what's your background mike in in running and marathoning yeah i'm a pretty terrible runner uh i did a half marathon this year uh and walked maybe more than half of it there's nothing wrong with that um finished, no shame in that. but, but uh-uh. yeah so i'm a, I'm a very retired uh amateur runner i ran for one year in college to get yeah. over a breakup and that's the extent of it uh, see that i think this is cool because sometimes there can be a stigma that okay you've, you know running is if you really want to get into marathoning and running and training, that it's a whole ordeal or it's clicky or this or that, and you have to, but this is the president of Twin Cities in Motion we're sitting in here with, and you and for you, running is more casual, and, and that's your background, right? Yeah, to be perfectly honest, I've never run a marathon. A couple of halves, that's awesome. but you know, we always say it, it starts with the first mile, and frankly, I think it starts with just getting up off your couch, putting down the Doritos, and taking a few steps, so... I don't like this idea so far. <laughs> this I sounds mean, counterproductive to what I, to how I live my life. We, you can bring the Doritos with you. Okay, if that's thank helpful. You. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it, it, anything's possible. You just have to get up, take the first step, and it doesn't even have to be a sprint. It doesn't even have to be a run. It could be a really light jog or a walk, for that matter. So yeah, it all plays. Yeah. I'm sold. I I just heard mimosa, so I'm sold. Oh, you're a mimosa guy. Oh yeah, I like mimosas. My you wife might jump in too right now. Yeah. Yeah. Dawn might be like, "I'm gonna go run." What? That's what I thought when I first saw you, man. I was like, "Mimosa guy." Yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah, I, I like that little, idea. I like a little champagne orange. Yes. Mm, we are getting. I, I I hopefully we see some sun at some point here, uh, because it feels like it's been raining and cloudy. But I I, I would assume that 
the last thing you want for for marathoners is for there to be a big spike in temperature and for it to be like 79 and humid or something. Yeah, so this Wednesday like that, which is yep. supposed to be, we're really thankful it's happening earlier in the week. Yeah, I mean, for the runner, um, cool, um, even not having a lot of sun is a good thing. So while my staff may be unhappy if it's colder, uh, it's perfect for the runner. And it looks like the rain's going to stay away for most of both days, Saturday and Sunday as well. Yeah, Is rain okay? Like drizzle, not too bad. Yeah, I mean, off. we had rain last year, uh, and the runners were thrilled. Other than maybe some blisters on their feet, I mean, they were loving it and having a party at the twenty seventh mile after they crossed. I mean, it didn't dissuade them from sticking around and having a good time. Um, yeah, so I mean, for runners, it's perfectly fine. Well, let me ask you a dumb question. So i uh, i was I was actually out uh, the Boston Marathon in two thousand thirteen. I wasn't running in it, but we were a block and a half away from the. So I had never been out there. We were a block and a half away from the finish line when all, when the the horrific things happened. Right. But, but it was my first time. We were up on Heartbreak Hill, oh. which for people who are who aren't familiar, it's like mile twenty, twenty one, and twenty two is this uphill grind uh, through. I believe Boston College campus, just you know, toward the end of your mental and physical wits end. What's the hardest stretch? Is my question here for the Twin Cities Marathon. I mean, I think it has to be when you, you turn on St. Paul to come up Summit Avenue, right? That that series of miles as you go past St. Thomas and finally get to the cathedral to make the turn, that's really when the hill starts to go down. So uh, for that number of miles from essentially the river to downtown is this slow climb. So I think for a lot of runners, you know, when they hit that 20-mile mark and they start to look at what's in front of them, you may not notice right away, but you feel it in your legs and yeah, I think mentally that's the place where people have to really encourage themselves and start talking themselves up. But thankfully, there's lots of fans to help with that. Correct. Yeah, that's cool. It's gonna be cool when you can when you see people shouting and throwing mimosas or waters at you. <laughs> <laughs> throwing mimosas at you. Don't waste the mimosa. Uh, I'm not t- wasting no mimosa. <laughs> TCMEvents.org/volunteer and like Mike said, still looking for volunteers for the weekend. TCMEvents.org/volunteer and you can download the Marathon Weekend app wherever you would find. Uh, apps in your app store, but we'll talk to you throughout the week here and, and preview as we go ahead. Looking forward Thank to you. it. Thanks, guys. Cool. Mike, thanks for coming in. Mike Logan, the president of Twin Cities in Motion. Our football hour with Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin coming up shortly here. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy to assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.